shared a message, what, two weeks ago called A New Day. And um, I know that there are new things coming to pass for me, for the church, for people in the church, good things. And so there was, you know, a message that I would encourage you to go back and listen to online. It was talking about the other side of sowing and sticking with it to the side of reaping and how you should be on that other side because you don't stay the same when you get there. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. So if you'll open up your Bibles to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and uh, maybe a familiar verse, but we may look at it a little bit different today. What about after you've endured and been sowing seeds and harvest is coming? Well, there are things that we have to change ourselves, our mentality, right? We heard that. You know, because people, after they started getting blessed, started forgetting the Lord. Their priorities changed. We said it like this, there are things in us we need to personally adjust because when the external pressures are relieved, those things come out, right? In other words, if you won the lottery or you started imagining, oh, if I won the lottery, you know, I won $500 million dollars and you just started thinking about it, it will tell you what's in you. Because some people be, first thing I do, I'm telling my boss off. Well, that means that's in you, but there's external pressure holding it back. What's the external pressure? It's called a paycheck. You're looking at him as your source and not doing it as unto the Lord. Right? And so we looked at all these things, you know, went through, you know, what we need to do because when things start happening in your life and as they do, all of a sudden stuff starts coming out. And, uh, but it's there, but it needs to be adjusted before or you got to be careful as things start to change in your life. You with me? If you hold little things against somebody and then all of a sudden you become the boss and you're still holding that, all of a sudden you're going to treat them wrong, and it shouldn't be. So you got to get rid of it now, or at least be aware that when they do spring up, that was there, I need to deal with that. That can't stay. And so we looked at several different things, and uh, I didn't say this, but it's so true. When I was younger, which, like I've said before, could have been last week. I was younger last week. But when I lived in California, I had some friends that worked at the L.A. Public Works, and they were over the dams, and, you know, they did road work and stuff, but they, you know, were over a lot of the dams and reservoirs in the foothills. And so they were draining this one lake that they used to test bombs during World War II there. You know, they'd slide them down this ramp and, or torpedoes and stuff like that. So they closed this lake. But all the lakes and all the rock quarries there have to have an ecosystem so mosquitoes don't get crazy. So that means what's an ecosystem? Fish, all different kinds. And when they're not touched by a fishing pole, there becomes a lot. And I used to fish more than I do now. And this guy said, we're lowering the lake. We have these professional fishermen, but there are loads of fish left. And as they lower the lake, when they get to a certain place, we'll call you and this other friend of mine, you have to drive here, come to the gate at the dam, call in, we'll let you in, and you drive up, and here's where you go. And it'll be incredible, because they had done it on other lakes. And so I didn't know what to expect, 
And so what it is, uh, they're lowering the lake because they need to do work in there. And as the water got lower, the pressure, and I didn't know this, in there was starting to change. And there, even though they netted and everything, there were literally hundreds of thousands of fish still left. And as the external pressure changed, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but you ever been to a lake before when you're, you know, and you saw bubbles come up and went, oh, that's a fish. Nobody ever thought that? People have thought that. That's not a fish. It's actually gas, not from the fish, but <laughs> gas in the dirt. And when the, I'll get over here. And somebody's like, whoa, does that, whoa, gas from the fish. But when the gas pressure in the ground gets greater, it pushes it up. And all of a sudden you see these bubbles come up. So it's there, but it happens in a huge way when the water level starts going down in a lake. And as it goes down and goes down and goes down, that that's there because the external pressure gets lifted, they call it turning over the lake. All that gas just comes out at one time and robs all the oxygen from the water and all those fish come to the surface. I'd never seen anything like it before. But remember, in your life, when things change and you start entering into God's blessing, there are external pressures that do change, and you might recognize things coming out that are really there but are suppressed by those external things. And in so many ways. You with me? And uh, I believe this. There have been people sowing, planting, with their actions, doing things that have totally been in line with God's word, and they're starting to reap, and they're going to start seeing the benefit, the church as a whole, but individuals. Well, then you've got to guard that. Remember, we read those scriptures about when you were small in your own sight, before you got put into this higher position, you were like this, but then when you got there, you quit governing yourself. And so God doesn't want that. And we went through different things, so I'd encourage you to look. But let's look at Matthew 6 and kind of go a step further. Matthew 6, verse 33, a familiar verse, but we kind of want to look at a certain part of it. It says, and this is Jesus speaking in the context, he's talking about people worrying about the supply of life, the things you need for life. It doesn't matter if it's health, clothes, money, whatever. He said this, concerning all these people, they worry about it. And he said, you should not be overly focused on all that stuff. He said, but what you should do is, this is what you should do, right? Verse 33, but you seek first the kingdom of God. Now that makes no sense when I need stuff. Because I need stuff. So I need to go do this. But notice what he said. He didn't say seek only the kingdom of God. He said seek first or make that the highest priority in your life. Because there's a big difference between seeking only or making it your priority. And so he said seek first the kingdom of God and his or God's righteousness, which we know is Jesus. And all these things shall be added to you. That's an interesting verse, because he just said this, if you would prioritize your life, 
And how many people say, I'm just too busy trying to do this and trying to get this and trying to make this work. I can't come to church. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. I can't do this stuff because I'm just too busy. I'm trying to get ahead. And he said, the world worries and seeks all these things, but if you keep the right thing, the right thing, and the priority, it's interesting that he said what they're making a priority in life, whether they're getting it or not, if you make me a priority, all that they're seeking, you will get. It will be added to you. Isn't that interesting? But he tells you, I need to be sought first. My ways, my things need to be your priority. And isn't it interesting? People can get this out of whack. I mean, good people. But he, Jesus himself, all these things will be added to you. But, but what did he say? Seek as a priority or first... That doesn't mean like, okay, the first thing I do at 6 o'clock in the morning when my alarm clock goes off or whenever I get up, I think about the Lord. No, I just make him my priority in life, and he said seek first. The word seek means to seek in order to find. You trying to find stuff out about the Lord and what he wants? You pursuing after his stuff? what he wants done on the earth, how he wants things happening, what is a priority to him are you seeking? And so to seek means to find out. And notice this, by thinking. This is the definition. By meditating, with reasoning. You know what that means when you meditate? You ponder something deeply. We would say it like this today. What are you imagining? What are you picturing? What are you rolling over in your mind not just about positive things, about the Lord. You know, there's a lot out there about being positive, and I'm for being positive. You can't just seek after the Lord and it be negative. You with me? You can't. I mean, this in itself is very positive. And he said, by meditating or reasoning, to inquire or to aim at, strive after, to seek, these words to me are real interesting in the definition, to require, to demand. You demanding this? You know, when you get hungry, you ever demand food? We need to eat, we need to eat now, we need to stop this car. Well, can we just wait like 10 more? No! You're craving to the point of such a demand, we're doing this. I thought you didn't like McDonald's. Doesn't matter. Nobody's ever been there crave to crave. And so these should be us, reasoning, thinking, pondering. So here's an interesting thought. This can't be then just sitting down and reading and sitting down and praying or coming to church, though those would be part of it. It has to be something I'm giving myself to outside of those places. If I'm seeking first, I'm thinking about the Lord. I'm thinking he's high and lifted up. I'm pondering. I'm inquiring. I'm reasoning. I'm demanding to know some stuff from him. How does this work? What about this, Lord? Who needs to be saved? 
who's out there that's hungry? And so imagination is a huge part of this. How many people are really pursuing in their thoughts everything in the world? If I'm seeking first, that can't be my first line of mental assertion. As a matter of fact, when I used to leave work, I remember people say, well, don't you think about this all night? I said, no, I don't get paid to do that. And I would practice putting my mind on the Lord and not thinking on it after that. I used to say, I'm not this. I do this, and God uses this to bless me. You with me? As a matter of fact, I'd get real dirty at work. I'd go home and clean every single day. And I had a green scouring pad, and I'd scrub my fingernails so it looked like I didn't do that. So if you ran into me, you didn't identify me as that. That was just the source God was using. And I expected God to bless me through there and other ways. But my whole thing was, was I'm not going to give all my energy to that in thought, in meditation, in reason. I'm expecting him to bless that, give me understanding. But I'm going to get my mind away from that. Amen. I mean, I want to be an expert on the thing I do, so to speak, but at the same time, I have to realize if it's all me, I have fallen into the trap that we read about last time in Deuteronomy 8, where people forgot about God and said it was our hard labor that did all this. That's an interesting thing because it said they forgot and then they thought it was their hard labor. So that means at one time they were thinking the blessing that's occurring on my life is God. Not me, not my hard work, though they were working hard. They were doing those things. But they recognized there was a factor of God working. And so it's important to keep our thoughts there. It's God doing it, and uh, is it just me that's going to make this happen? So he said, seek first. Turn to Hebrews 11. This is an interesting thing. So we should pray. We should look in the book. We should attend church, but we should think and get our mind on the right thing after. And don't let our minds wander into worrisome things. And remember, God adds stuff to our lives and will. We're going to read another verse here. There is actually a requirement for you and something you're supposed to believe about God concerning his blessing. Notice this in Hebrews 11.6. And this might be a familiar verse of scripture to some people, but there are some tremendous truths in here. Hebrews 11.6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. What kind of faith is he talking about here? I got faith. You got faith. We all have faith. What faith is he talking about here? In the context, it's when you know God's dealing with you and you follow his instruction. You follow his steps. You carry it out no matter what it is. You know I'm supposed to be doing this. Here I go. That is the faith that pleases God. But then it goes on to say, without this faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's interesting. He adds two things to this that every believer needs to do. Notice he said, first, 
you know, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Do you believe that God is? It's an interesting fact because you could believe God was. People do. Oh, back in the day. And they, oh, it was like this. And they believe God was. Or they think, well, in the future, man, it's going to get better. It's going to get this. And it's good to believe that. And it's right to believe that. But it's not believe that he was, believe that he will be, believe that he is. He is present tense now involved with you. And he said, you have to believe that. And that's not all you're required to believe. Notice the next part. And you must believe, believe that he is, and believe that he is a rewarder. You know, some people don't even believe God will reward them. Like a paycheck. It's like a return. It's in line with those same verses we read before. Whatever a man sows, you'll get to reap that. And he said here, if you will seek him diligently, he will reward you. You know, is he going to get you a little trinket? Here you go. I'm rewarding you. Gee, thanks. You know, or like a little metal that with a little plastic, you're great on it. Here you go. Thanks. I just can't imagine that's what he means by seek and receive. Especially after we read Jesus' words of what he said they would receive. You with me? And here he's basically saying, uh, if you'll diligently seek me, you get rewarded for it. I mean, if your boss came up and said, you know, this week you're not getting a check, but here's a ribbon with a plastic metal that says you're great. <laughs> oh, that's what I need. Could I get two if I work real hard next week? No, I want the check. Some people are like, we're talking about God here. Be careful. No, he's the one who put this in here so we could know what to expect. And he said, you got to believe it like this. wonder what people, their expectations are of how God will do things. So he said he's a rewarder. What does he reward with? You just can go look through the Bible. It's spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, out here. It's all of your life. As a matter of fact, even though Paul went through a bunch of junk in his life, being persecuted for his walk, he said, man, I was able to finish my course with joy because I didn't love my own life. I just kept him as my priority. And he would say things like, I have all in abound." And God worked in his life. But notice that word here again, seek, with the connection of reward, seek and it will be added. God is in the business of adding to your life. He is. You don't have to stress over it. You don't have to worry over it. You just need to believe. If you believe in Jesus, believe more than that. I believe in Jesus. That's good. If you got saved, that's wonderful. 
But then you need to believe he rewards. Not just up in heaven when you get there, but it is true. But down here. And so, but he said here again, seek diligently or diligently seek him. It literally means to search out, investigate, scrutinize, dig in the word. Seek out for oneself. In other words, don't just let other people seek out God and tell you who he is and how he acts. Because you'll get people out there saying, oh, he'll just get ticked off at you and you do this and wham. Or, oh, blessings, people who talk about blessings. Because I hear people say, oh, these prosperity preachers. Well, if that's what they're called and they're doing it wrong, I can't say anything about that. Because I don't know. But I do know these are plain scriptures. And these are written by God. And so if all I have to do is believe that he is, and a lot of people believe that he is, but believe that he is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He'll give you a recompense. He will do something for you. But notice, you got to believe that he is, but believe that he rewards diligent seeking. You know, my grandfather was a minister, and I didn't understand all this when I was little, but he really had given his life to the Lord and just sought him and pursued him and kept him as a priority. And even when he was in his latter years, we talked, but I always found it interesting how is he, as a minister, has multiple properties and homes and stuff, and he's in this denomination. You're like, that's a good question. I think I got that one too. He really did keep it a priority and kept God a priority. Somebody gave him a cabin and not one that was caving in that you could actually use. I mean, I'm not suggesting you get me a cabin. Motorhome, but not... No, I'm kidding. I don't want a motorhome. But this was something he desired. Somebody gave it to him. But I know this, this isn't for preachers, this is for people that serve him and obey him. And so when he said to diligently seek, it means to investigate, to scrutinize. Do you search the scriptures? To seek out for oneself, not just let other people seek it out for you. When I first got saved, I would ask people, what, is it? what about this, what about this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. So I started seeking it out myself. And some of the stuff people were telling me, I found out, just wasn't in there. But he rewards that. And it literally means to crave, to demand back. In other words, when I'm pursuing and looking, I'm expecting something out of this. And I require something in it. You know, the Bible tells us the Lord is our shepherd, right? That actually is a psalm for today, for every believer. And as a matter of fact, if you'd go read Psalm 23, but go read Psalm 22. You ever read Psalm 22? Have you ever read Psalm 24? Do you know what's in there? I don't know, but it's after 23 for sure, and 22's before. All three of them are prophetic. What does that mean? They're inspired by God, and they say something, and each one of them has a time frame. If you'll go read Psalm 22, you'll see 
that that guy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before talked about this person who would be crucified or killed. Then the next psalm, he'd be the shepherd. Then the next one, he'd be the reigning king, the millennial and forever king. Well, we're living in Psalm 23 today. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Psalm 23 said, he, the Lord is our shepherd. We're full of want. No, it doesn't say that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But why do some people want? He gives you the cure for want. He said, he's your shepherd. You have to obey. He leads you here. He leads you there. If I'll put him first and obey him and follow him, it tells us there. He'd lead us to cool waters, times of refreshing, to a table prepared with provision, right in the middle of trouble. He'll lead you to that. A shepherd's job is to protect the sheep. He will protect you, but he'll lead you. How many times have people been led and knew they were supposed to do something, but they didn't make it a priority? They didn't do it as a first place thing. And they wondered why they came to want. But it was never God's design. So all we would have to do is switch that and do as he said and really prioritize. And then he said all these things would be added to you. He would reward you. To me, it's super important to really get that in our thinking because we're taught so much to believe in the Lord, believe that he is. And we do. And we're like, yeah. But maybe we should just make sure we're believing he is a rewarder. He will make things work. He will increase my life. Not just financially, but in every area. You with me? Every area of your life. You need to believe He's working in this part of me. He's working in this area. He's working in this area. I'm going to keep him as a priority. And he said he would do it. You know, Matthew 16, 25 is such an interesting verse of Scripture. And it kind of reads opposite of what we've been talking about, but is very much in line with what we're saying. Matthew 16, verse 25 Jesus' words here, he said, he said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's saying, look, if you'll just hold on to your, cup your hands, and you have ever done that before, and scoop up water, and you just cup your hands as tight as you can, and you go to bring water over here, and no matter how tight it seems like, where'd that water go? You can cup your life as tight as you want to and say, okay, I'm going to keep it for me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make me the priority of this life. No matter how tight your hands are together, it will leak out. He said, you'll lose it. But he said, if you'll just give it up for me and keep me first, he said, what will happen? You'll find. You'll find eternal life. You'll find the things you're looking for. It's interesting that one thing that the Lord requires from us is a priority. That we prioritize Him. You can't read the Old Testament or even things in the New Testament without finding out who people who purposely keep the Lord first get enriched in all areas. But there is pressure, no doubt, in this world 
to not put the Lord first. There are excuses that will challenge this stuff. And they'll present themselves and they'll seem legitimate. You just kind of have to go, no. I always wonder sometimes, do people really realize no matter who they are, we all stand before the Lord sometime? I mean, really. And uh, there's such blessing in the United States that people have forgot the Lord. And you go to other countries where there's just not, and the gospel is presented, they're like, yes, thank you. And you see those places start to prosper and to radically change because they're working these principles. But you just have to be careful not to forget. Like I said two weeks ago, it used to blow me away when I would read the Bible for the first times in the Old Testament, how God would just bless the people and bless his people so much. And then all of a sudden, three chapters later, they totally forgot him. I was like, this makes no sense. I was kind of startled. But I realized what I was reading was three pages was 40 years. 30 years. And there's a lot of stuff that comes in 30 years. So you kind of have to keep yourself adjusted. Right? You know, the Bible tells us in Timothy that we're not to give attention to certain things that generate or produce questions, but we're to give heed or our attention to things that produce godly confidence. And sometimes if we're just going through the process of life, life can try to push you different ways. It can. And I've learned in my life, you know, and if you're a business person, you know this, you know, you go on vacation, especially if you own your own business, you got to be self-disciplined to start back up, right? Get going again, because nobody else is going to get going again for you, right? But no matter what, there are things when you're just pushed or circumstances come, you've got to readjust. And I know in my own life, I've had to do this over time. So like when we built this building or you know, did the renovations and stuff. I knew I got real busy. I was driving here three times a day, and I was living, you know, almost 20 miles, 18 miles from here, and I'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, I knew I could read and spend time and gave thought to certain things, but the minute we stopped, I knew I had to readjust and reprioritize my life or else other things would come in. And what was supposed to be a blessing in the building, now I've changed. You with me? And so in life, stuff happens to where you just kind of have to refocus and reprioritize at times. You with me? And realize God will work on the other stuff. You do too. But God will work for us.